You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass, who will give you an update and introduce our special guest. Well, thanks, Chris. I hope everybody is glad that we've made it to Friday this week. Uh, On Monday, I have to admit, I had a few doubts that we'd all get through this week, but we're all here. It's Friday, and uh, we're looking forward to the weekend and a little bit of rejuvenation time. Welcome back. I'm pleased today to have as our guest Ashley McDonald-Miller. Ashley is the Restorative Care Analyst for Use Homes, and she holds a Master's in Public Health Uh, degree and is responsible for helping to keep a number of institutional clients healthy. So we're very pleased to have Ashley with us today to talk about some of the things that companies can do logistically to keep their companies safe. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Deb. We're thrilled to have you. Let me ask you a question to begin with. You know, uh, we have a lot of different situations out there in the glass industry right now. We have some companies that are closed altogether. We have others that are sort of on what I would call subsistence management. Most people working from home, people in plants, will call areas uh, in the office, and then others where they are very essential and doing and uh, creating product that needs to go out right now, which are almost at full speed. Can you take me through some of the things that these should be these companies should be looking for every day, perhaps areas where they could be having problems, uh, and they don't know it, um, ways that they can just double and triple check uh, keeping people safe from the virus? Absolutely. I would say that's kind of a multifaceted question. So first and foremost, it's going to depend on the company structure, if they're working remotely um, or if those personnel are still reporting to the office. It's two different types of groups of people, I guess, we'd be looking at. So if they're in the workplace, um, there's preventative measures that they can take as far as that social distancing term that we've been hearing. So maintaining that six-foot gap between personnel at all times. And if you do have to be in a room with someone, trying to limit that to that 15-minute time span that the CDC is recommending. Um, And of course, if your company is allowing it or you're able to do so working remotely and utilizing tools like we are today to connect virtually is going to be one of the best preventative measures that we can take. Okay, that's good to know. And I'm wondering for people who have just a couple of people in the office, I mean, should we be going around and wiping everything down every few hours or the things that we should be watching for? Um, well, it's a it's a virus, so I don't know that there's things that we can see with our human eyes and things that we can watch for. Of course, we can take the proactive approach in using that 60% ratio of an alcohol-based cleaning product. Um, so reading the label, making sure that it has that in it, um, that is going to kill the virus, but it, it can linger on various surfaces for varying times anywhere from, um, I would say the longest time span that we see on a surface 
is about nine days um, in the office. So mm, that's a long time. Yes. So I don't think you can be overly cleaning. Of course, washing your hands is going to be the number one preventative tool that we have. So washing them for the 20 seconds or more, singing that happy birthday song um, is a good rule of thumb to go through. Maybe sing it twice if you tend to rush that song. Um, I know when I do our training here, I will actually set a timer and have people raise their hand when they think it's been 20 seconds. You'd be surprised at the amount of people that don't make it to 10 seconds um, before they're raising their hand. Yeah. You know know what I did? This is just an aside, but um, I actually timed out a couple of prayers I usually say. And so now I'm saying those prayers when I'm washing my hands, hoping they're not being disrespectful, but kind of offering them up to people who have the virus. And that actually keeps me getting all the way through instead of kind of fading out in the middle because it's a prayer. I love that because that introduces a little bit more of who you are and allows you to share in that way. I think that's a great alternative. Yeah, it's, it's worked for me anyway. So, Ashley, let me ask you, do you know, you know, most of our uh, listeners are involved in glass and metal. Do you know about how long that virus is going to live on, let's say, a glass surface or a metal surface? Yes, um, absolutely. It's interesting because I have read many different things, but to give a perfect answer to that question on a glass surface, it's going to live up to nine days, which is really a long oh. time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's more than a week. And on metal, I've seen it be anywhere between seven to nine days. Um, And so just making sure that you're going back over those surfaces, maybe making yourself a checklist of when you cleaned it um, last so that you can do it reoccurring in those time spans of the seven to nine days. Good to know, because I know most people will be wearing uh, gloves when they handle those surfaces, but mm-hmm. by that same token, that could transfer the virus to the gloves then, so you have to be careful about that too, mm-hmm. I would imagine. Yes, and understanding yeah. how to take those gloves off properly is so integral um, when dealing with a virus or any contaminant, uh, because unlike the flu, it's going to last, the flu will last on surfaces typically 48 hours, so we're talking an extensive amount of time if we're looking at nine days as compared to a normal 48-hour flu virus. Mm, I see. Is there um, some place that our listeners can go for resource on proper glove removal procedure? Absolutely. The CDC is going to be the number one resource that I would encourage everyone to go to um, with the pandemic they're going to be on top of the latest information that's out there. And with a surplus of information, you want to make sure that you're getting the most accurate information possible. So local resources are great, like your health department, local hospitals. They're going to know the answers to those questions, but a way to be 100% sure that you have the most up-to-date and accurate information is to go through the Centers for Disease Control. CDC.gov, right? Yes, you got it. Good to know. Okay, good. And then another question that we've gotten a lot, and I don't think this just applies to businesses because it's analogous for people who are receiving orders from Amazon or local uh, delivery services is, hey, someone just brought a box and whether I'm letting them into my company to leave the box inside or asking them to leave it outside, eventually I'm going to handle that cardboard box. Mm -hmm. What's the best procedures for dealing with that? Um, I would say there's a, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. We know that um, 
cardboard, the virus is going to last on that for 24 hours. Um, so we want to make sure up to 24 hours, we want to make sure to take that extra step, unless it's something that you need to open as soon as you get it, I personally would just let it sit there for an additional 24 hours, make sure that the virus is um, off of that surface before I'm handling it. If I had to handle it prior to that, I don't think it's a bad idea at all to use that 60% alcohol-based cleaning product. And as um, preventative as it's going to sound, using something to clean it off with that product before I choose to open it. Got you. Okay, that's good advice, and um, that's what I've been trying to do. Of course, you can't really do that with perishable food at home, but right. things coming into your office, you can, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you, there have been a couple of questions from some of our readers and our listeners about, you know, everybody's looking forward to kind of getting back to normal, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so some of them have been asking us, um, when we're ready to start having employees return to the workplace, and can we, for example, can we take their temperature before they come in, sort of how they're doing in the White House briefing room now? Is is that allowed? It's so is interesting. Is that advisable? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. No, that's a great question. And it's so interesting because that is definitely one of the steps that we take here at um, Hughes Home is to take that very much preventative standpoint. We have a full screening tool that um, I helped develop that Mm. we use to ask questions for people that wouldn't regularly be coming into our facility. Of course, we have to still allow medical personnel to come in to provide care. And there's still operations in every business that might need to occur that we can't, that can't be done virtually. So to answer the question, taking a temperature 100% is legal to do that, to ask someone to do that. Um, it's usually your place of employment at the person that's asking that it's their, um, place of employment. They're offering the employment. So 100% you have the right to ask that. Um, and then understanding what a temperature is, what a normal temperature is again, using that resource that we've put out there is a great way to know what actually is a normal temperature versus what is a high temperature? Is that something on CDC.gov also, Ashley, or is that something you developed? That is something that the CDC would put out. I would say that we use the rule of thumb of three degrees. So if someone knows what their baseline is, then we're going to go three degrees higher than that to be considered a temperature just to be extra cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the exact numbers for a normal human temperature is going to be on the CDC's website. Yes. Gotcha. And what about someone who's been exposed to the virus or, you know, lives with someone who has it or who has had it? Um, Is there any problem with asking for a doctor's, what we used to call doctor's lines, a doctor's note that they're okay to return to work? Absolutely. That is definitely a great point. That is something um, you want to have consent writing just to protect all of your staff members to protect the place of employment, I think that that's a great option and it's 100% um, legal to have that in writing. You can develop that yourself. You can um, use some of the tools, the resources that are out there, or you can just have the doctor write, yes, that it's, it is safe mm-hmm. to return. A good rule of thumb is 14 days is what we are using. If you think that you've been exposed to someone, if you're experiencing symptoms, um, 
you know, if your household has been exposed to someone, especially with the population we deal with, for those that may not know, they are in that high risk population. They're 65 and older. So we have to be overly protective about that. Mm, Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, too, when you think about uh, protecting your office, we kind of went through when the virus first made its appearance and identified that, you know, we needed to communicate with the cleaning crews, I think most companies, if they don't do it themselves, they've hired it, hired those services out. And what mm-hmm. kinds of things would you want to talk with your your cleaning staff, whether it's internal or external, about during the during this time? I am always um, very detail oriented personally and very thorough I like to think so I'm going to want to have that conversation to make sure that the products that they're using are approved products that they have that high alcohol concentration that they understand how long they need to be washing their hands and if they're using gloves as a part of their cleaning how to take on and put off gloves properly how to dispose them so that you're not cross-contaminating surfaces Okay, good point. I hadn't thought of that, and that's a good um, good lesson for our listeners too. Thank you for that. Um, can I can I take a different turn here for a minute? Because um, one of the things that I've been noticing, and I'm guessing that um, many of the owners and managers who've listening have, have noticed too, is it's it's not that everybody's sad, but everybody's a little sad. <laughs> um, you know, our lightness of being is a little bit less light right now. And I also worry for people who have certain coping mechanisms that they can't access right now, whether that's a visit to the gym or, you know, for the ladies, a manicure or, or getting the most important one, getting to church. None of those, um, those coping and um, comforting places are available to them. So what, what do we as employers look for, you know, on our, on our, uh, with our employees to make sure that they're not having a problem? What can we do to help them? That's a wonderful question. And that just speaks to the testament that you do care about your employees, that you Mm -hmm. want to make sure that all, all realms of their life, um, are going well if you can, especially during this time. You're right to say that people might be experiencing fear or anxiousness more than normal um, because we don't have all the answers as much as we try to stay ahead of the curve. We we don't have all of the answers yet. Um, so things that you can do as an employer, um, I would say, is to develop a resource list. If you have email communications or you have a website, a common place in your company that you can post that, maybe your Facebook page somewhere um, that you can put together a group of resources. And what I mean by resources are, let's say that they enjoy going to church. I know my church, for example, um, they're doing a virtual service. So you Mm -hmm. can go on their website, you can watch virtually and, um, there's a chat box there that you can use to connect. So if you're experiencing something during the service that maybe you'd whisper to the person sitting beside you normally, then they, that chat box is there to allow you that same type of connection opportunity. Um, and then of course, you know, getting your endorphins flowing and having that workout um, and that release in that way with this extra added stress is going to 
make us in a better mood, make us feel better. And believe it or not, it's actually a great preventative tool against this virus because they are finding that people that are in the quote unquote healthy category are responding better, meaning that people that are at home Mm -hmm. feeling like they want to contribute, want to help in a way they can help just by taking care of their health, um, in this downtime and, um, you know, adding that to the resource list, a place where they can get free workouts, a place where um, they can look up things online to do, or even offering that um, virtually as a staff. If yeah. someone you mean like, um, I don't mean to interrupt, but you mean like mm-hmm. free workouts online and things like mm-hmm. that? Absolutely. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Good to know. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Ashley, you have just been tremendous. I am so thankful that you were willing and able to come on with us today. And I'm just wondering if there's anything else you wish that we had covered or any advice you want to give to people listening. Um, I would just say that, you know, if people are looking to do their part to just stay home, um, stay home and virtually connect in, you know, in this world where we're used to connecting to people, just reach out through phone, through virtual connection. Um, don't isolate yourself, but definitely do your part and and stay home and lean on these resources like this podcast to help stay informed and current as we all go through this together. Well, thank you. Good advice. And we really appreciate it. Appreciate your being here today. And we'll be back in just a second with uh, our updated list of what's going on in the industry. And it's a long one today. This podcast has been generously supported by Glass.com. To receive this podcast each business day, please sign up for the USGNN e-newsletter at usgnn.com under subscriptions. And now, to the latest coronavirus updates. Welcome back, and many thanks again to Ashley McDonald-Miller for joining us today and giving us some very practical information on keeping our companies our families and our employees safe. Very much appreciated that she shared all that with us. Today we have a number of updates from different companies around the country. And then our first one comes from Larson Engineering Inc. of Appleton, Wisconsin. They are open for business and plan to remain in full operation as long as the government and CDC say it is safe to do so. Kevin Wisniewski there says that the staff is working and has access to email and voicemails. Morris Industries, Inc. is open and considered essential. Andrew Chatfield reports that most employees are working from home with a small number at each location to make sure orders are processed and shipped. Drivers are delivering and will call is open, but you must call ahead to make a pickup. And indeed, that's a trend that we're seeing all around the country, where will call is available, but not for walk-ins. So before you go to call at will call, Um, please be sure to give a call to make sure that um, you have an appointment to do so. Lee Berberian uh, reports that both Cardinal HMI and all its U.S. facilities are open and operating under normal business conditions, uh, though external visitors are being limited. And the Wound Tech facility in Wittensville, Massachusetts, is open and operating under normal business conditions with some extra precautions in place as well. Renolid has announced that it will not be participating in the rescheduled Fensterbau 2020 trade fair in June. Roto Frank had previously also announced that it was not going to take part in the rescheduled event. And Polar Seal is closed and will remain so until April 13th or until the stay-at-home order is lifted in their state. 
Russ Alder of Precision Glass Bending says the company's production facilities located in Arkansas are open for business. Russ says that the raw material inputs are becoming more difficult to get in a timely manner, and some are not even possible to obtain. Precision has built up a stockpile of three months' worth of facility inputs, so they are able to produce, even if they cannot obtain those from their key vendors due to stoppage at their facilities or interruption of transportation. As a result, lead times have been shortened so jobs may be delivered quickly to allow for customer projects to be completed whenever possible. And Goldray Glass has implemented safety precautions so it can keep operating. Sales representatives and account managers continue to work both in the office and remotely, and President Kathy Soroka reports that the factory remains fully operation. The Tawanda, Pennsylvania manufacturing facility that produces Miratech and Xterra has been granted an exemption as an essential business by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and is operating on a normal production schedule. AI metal finishing remains open as well, as does Quality Hardware, a door hardware supplier for the glass industry. And Sika Corporation says it's fortunate that the vast majority of its raw materials are sourced or available in North America, and that it doesn't anticipate any significant delays or shortages in its current supply of either raw materials or finished products. And that is our roundup for today. It's been quite a week for all of us, I know, and I wish you a good weekend or as good a weekend as you can have, and we'll be back with more news and information on Monday. Thanks again for joining us.